Hello, I'm just doing a little introduction to this show because I wanted to apologise for the audio issues. You'll probably notice some minor clicks and skips in the recording, um, which were found after we'd finished recording the show. I've done my best to minimise these during editing, but they are still apparent, although they shouldn't impede the sense of the recording. Many apologies for this, and please rest assured that I'm working on a fix that should be in place for the next time we record. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, it's 5th of May 2018 and this is episode 66 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? It's been good. Did you have a happy Star Wars day? I did, yes. I didn't do anything especially Star Warsy beyond buying my ticket for Solo, which well, that's is exciting. The... Yeah, exactly, and it's definitely the most important thing I could do on Star Wars Day. <laughs> there is a line of donut places in London that are apparently doing Star Wars themed cupcakes until Sunday. <gasps> so if I have a chance, I might try and go and get some nice. if I can find any local to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that might be a bit of a challenge. So we will see. Yeah, what did you do for Star Wars Day, Kirsty? Uh, I watched Empire last night. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I knew I wanted to watch some Star Wars, obviously. And and I did catch up with the Force of Destiny episodes that were new as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to watch Empire just because I wanted... Well, I wanted to watch it again before Solo anyway because of the Han and Lando stuff. Yes. So we just decided to do that. Yeah. And really enjoyed it, obviously. So. Of course. It's a damn good movie. <laughs> it is. pretty good. But you're saying that you two-timed on The Last Jedi, Kirsty. <laughs> I feel like I do need to have a last Jedi break for a little while. <laughs> We're on a break right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, it can be easy to see it too much almost. Like, and that's true of any film. I'm not, like, knocking Last Jedi when I say this. It's kind of like if you see the same movie, like, too often in a compressed time frame, it can start to feel a little bit old. So it's important to space things out and keep things fresh. Exactly. And there is lots and lots of new Star Wars content to enjoy at the moment. So yes. like, I was surprised by how much news came out this week, to be honest. Yeah, like in the first half of the week, it was looking really, really quiet and slow. But little did I know that Star Wars Day would bring with it many wonders and <laughs> news items. <laughs> so yeah, that's actually a good point on which to segue into the news. So the first thing that we want to talk about is that on Star Wars Day, they released a whole bunch of new Forces of Destiny episodes. Um, which I think we both really like. We love these shorts. Um, and yeah, we're just going to have a little chat about them. Like, did any standouts use your particular favourites, Kirsty? Um, I really loved Perilous Pursuit, which was Finn and Rey on Starkiller Base. Yes, um, that was my favourite. Yeah, so that's based on a deleted scene from The Force Awakens, which we got in the Blu-ray, but it was kind of unfinished and didn't quite work like you could tell you could see why it had been deleted but they've reworked it here and it's really cute and it was just really great to get ray and finn together again because we haven't really had anything new from them since force awakens because they barely had any shared screen time in the last jedi yeah so really appreciated that definitely and i also really liked it because it showed like ray and finn like as both having like real strengths in their yes. own different ways, which I really appreciated because I think in 
the last Forces of Destiny episode where Finn appeared, there was kind of like this unfortunate thing where he was shown to be a little bit of a klutz and he was making lots of mistakes and he wasn't doing anything particularly well. Yeah, you know what? I just realised that I had blocked that out of my memory because I was so unhappy with (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, this is the first piece of Ray and Finn content we've had. (laughs) We haven't, but I was just pretty upset when that one came out because I was like, this didn't do Finn justice. Wasn't that episode with Rose and Finn rather than Ray and Finn? No, there was a Rose and Finn one, which was relatively recent, which was like mm-hmm. them on their way to Canto Bight. And yes. there was that one that you were just talking about with Finn and Ray and Han and Chewie. And ah, Finn screws yes. up with the bomb. Yes, yes, yes. And everyone else has to fix it. And it's yeah. like, on, oh, he's a stormtrooper. He knows what a bomb is. Yeah, now I think in my mind I was conflating that episode with the Finn and Rose one. And the Finn and Rose one's much better. Yeah, exactly. In that regard. Um, but yeah, the point is that in this one, Perilous Pursuit, like Finn and Ray, they're both shown to be really talented and strong. Finn's good with the blaster. Ray is great at the flying. And yeah, it's like a really nice example of teamwork. Exactly. It's one of Star Wars' most universal values. <laughs> so yeah, it's very good. Um, did any of the other episodes particularly stand out to you? Uh, well, I don't know how what there is to say about it, but the Porgs one with Chewie was absolutely adorable. Yes, that was really, Ways. really cute. Oh. Yeah, always up for more Chewie and the Porks. Yeah, I think the animation on that one was really cute as well, especially so. Like, yeah. it helps that the Porks are fundamentally cute, you know? How do you make them not cute? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just very charming and well done. So I really appreciated that. I think overall, like, I kind of felt this batch of episodes was a bit weaker than the last batch. Like, there weren't many, as many episodes where I was like, oh my god, I really love that. Um, and the main one that really stood out to me was Perilous Pursuit. I'm not sure any of the others like really like popped for me um but i did enjoy all of them they were all really fun and sweet yeah i i really like seeing art history with sabine and her brother because mm. um sabine and her art was one of my favorite elements in rebels so yes. i was just like oh cool we get more of that and i was <laughs> cringing a little bit when she decided to use <laughs> explosions on the statue like obviously to try and bring that down those structures with the stormtroopers on it but i was like oh my god is she gonna damage that statue <laughs> please no she's like a victorian archaeologist in in egypt (laughs) stop her (laughs) yeah please stop um but it all worked out fine because of course um and the other great one was traps and tribulations because we got luke and leia together on endor yes that was so, so weird in a way to see them interacting like that um it, it was really nice don't get me wrong i love seeing like our favorite sibling pair like mm-hmm. jiving like that but especially seeing luke in like that like dark like epic outfit like associated yeah. so strongly with like all the intense vader stuff it yeah, created like a bit of like dissonance for me like between like but this is like so cute and fun <laughs> and lights and that's like uber dark cool luke and like ah. not in a bad way but <laughs> leia using a lightsaber yes that's a huge deal. <laughs> I liked how Luke was like, uh, can I have that back? <laughs> yeah, don't get any ideas. <laughs> like, oh, I kind of like this. I, I would say that Luke looked a teensy bit threatened, which amused me. Yeah, I would like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah, a really fun batch of episodes. I'm looking forward to seeing my niece and thrusting them upon her. Yeah. In a way of like trying to sell her on this whole Star Wars thing. <laughs> I really love the Padme one too because I just thought it was really great that we, you know, got a Padme story. It was centered on her and um, showcased her strengths, which aren't yes. always about kicking ass and being aggressive and 
in that mold of what people would think of with the stereotypical strong female character, but yeah. that she understood the situation and could help when those guards couldn't. Yeah. It was very much about showing her off as like just a good leader mm. with like a nice sensible brain on her shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> Which I really appreciated because yeah, that's very much what Padme is. And yeah, to get content around her like between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, that's what I want. Mm. I really want I mean, we heard rumours a while back about a book for Padme, and it, we haven't heard anything more solid since, so I'm kind of trying to forget about it now, and maybe we'll get one eventually, who knows. Yeah. But if we were to get more Padme stories, that's the time period that I want, like, before she reunited with Anakin, so I'm so curious about what that would be like. Yeah, definitely. Like, I want to see her as, like, a free agent, basically, and see how her political career evolved. Because it's easy to forget that in The Phantom Menace, she was just a child, basically. Yeah. So... There's this very formative period for her between the films where she does actually mature and become a woman. And yeah, what was that like for her considering the insane responsibilities she had at such a young age? You know, like what does that do to a person? I think it'd be really interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get that. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed, but yeah, I'm not sure when it's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then the next thing we want to talk about is that there are a few casting rumours for episode nine. I would say these are of dubious um, reliability. They're from a site called That Hashtag Show that I've never heard of before. And I've certainly never seen them like share Star Wars exclusives before these casting calls came out from them. But yeah, other sites are running with it and talking about it. So I thought it couldn't do any harm for us to talk about it. But yeah, just so people know, take it with a, a big pinch of salt, please. Uh, yep, so the first rumour, like, and this is the first one they posted, reads like this. Abrams, along with cast and director Nina Gold, who has worked on both episode 7 and episode 8, are searching for a female lead, 40 to 50 years old, to play the role of Mara. It's common practice for films to use codenames during the casting process, and that could be the case here. To be clear, we're only able to confirm they are looking to fill the role of a female lead who they are calling Mara. So that's the first one. And then the second, more recent one, has a bit more detail. Casting director Nina Gold is on the hunt for an ethnic female with a strong preference for an African-American, 18 to 26 years old, to portray a character by the name of Caro. Caro is described as having a captivating naturalness and ease to her manner. Caro is a leader and problem solver, smart with a great sense of humour and a strong will. All this comes to her effortlessly. You know, I would be okay with never hearing the term an ethnic female ever again. <laughs> yeah... What is that about? Like that, honestly, by itself is a big reason for me to doubt that these are accurate and true yeah. because that seems like a really kind of gross, outdated way to describe a role. Yeah, I'd think that if they were were specifically looking for, like, say, an African American actress, they would just say we are like looking for African American actresses for this role, mm -hmm. you know, rather than saying ethnic female actresses. But it's very peculiar because they've put ethnic female in quotation marks as if that right. is the actual phrasing of the casting call. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It seemed like very peculiar wording and it's definitely insensitive to um, say the least. Exactly. I just, I would be surprised if that's actually true. Yeah. Yeah, the Mara stuff has obviously been more popular in fandom as a discussion topic because... Mara Jade, you know, that's what people think of with this. Yes. They say that it's a code name, so even if it was, like, they were using the term Mara as that, it's like, it's not actually going to be Mara Jade. 
And even if it was, it wouldn't be Amara Jade who married Luke Skywalker and had children with him in this universe. So I would hope that they would really steer clear of bringing her back at this point because it's not going to be the Amara Jade that we know from the EU. Mm. So what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, you'd just be like having this other female character calling her Mara, but she didn't have any of that backstory she didn't have that key relationship she might have some of her attributes but it wouldn't be enough to satisfy fans of that character in my opinion again if the casting call is true jj would have to be doing some mighty trolling exactly like i'm sorry but that's just cruel man (laughs) (laughs) that's like saying lucasfilm is casting jaina solo i've seen a lot of people speculate that caro could be a female knight of ren i've seen that too but to me it doesn't really jive with the kind of things they're saying about her it's like saying great sense of humor like i'd be very surprised if that's the kind of characterization they went for with a knight of ren um i I might be completely wrong they might be having loads of laughs in the rec room on the finalizer (laughs) i'm really not sure but yeah it just doesn't match with what i was thinking of but I'm obviously not the filmmaker, so it's certainly possible. And I would absolutely like to see Female Knights of Ren. Yeah, so I'm again, I'm not sold on the accuracy of these reports, but if they were true, I would love to think that it's a Female Knight of Ren because that's what I would like to see selfishly. <laughs> um, if we even get the Knights of Ren, who knows? Yeah, exactly. I, I will say that, like the dubious wording of the cast and call aside, I am pleased they're continuing to focus on the diversity especially with regards to looking for an African-American actress, because, yeah, like, enough white brunettes. (laughs) We can move on from that. Um, So, yeah, they definitely seem to be sticking to that, despite the protestations from some sectors. So I'm pleased that they're sticking to their guns and they realise how important representation is. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I think that's all we want to say, really, about those rumours. The next thing to talk about is that there is some box office tracking news for Solo, and there is also news on the pre-sales. I was wondering if you could read out the first part about the tracking, Kirsty. Yes, yeah, so this is from Variety. It says, Early tracking projections have placed Disney and Lucasfilm solo a Star Wars story in the $170 million range for its four-day opening over Memorial Day weekend. The first tracking estimates for the Star Wars origin story were released Thursday in the $165 million to $175 million range. Tracking measures were all elevated with unaided awareness at 28%, total awareness at 90%, definite interest at 55%, and first choice at 13%. Disney did not release any numbers. The current Memorial Day weekend record holder is Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which debuted domestically in 2007 with $139.8 million. So that's quite a bit above that. Yeah, that stands to be a really great opening weekend. And I think Lucasfilm would have to be very happy with that if the film scored that. And to be honest, because it's so early, I think there's a very good chance of it going significantly higher than that. Because what we've also seen, there isn't a separate story on this because I thought we could cover it here, but they really want to get the word out about this movie very, very early. They have the first screening for press next Thursday, and that's a few weeks before the film opens to the general public. And I think mm. the social media embargo for the movie lifts straight after that screening. Oh, really? Yep. So we're going to get the first reactions then. So okay. that indicates really like substantial confidence in the movie. Because okay. they would not be showing it so early if they thought it wasn't good, <laughs> essentially. When's it showing at Cannes? At Cannes, I think that's 15th of May. So about two oh, weeks okay. ahead of the opening. But it's after the press screening. 
All right. And I think actual full reviews are allowed after the Cannes premiere. So again, very, very early, especially compared to what we used to with Star Wars movies. But the point in relation to the box office is that all of this indicates very high confidence from Lucasfilm and Disney. So yeah, I think there's a chance for this thing to break 200 million on the Memorial weekend, to be honest. I think so too, yeah. So it's important to point out that it's a four-day weekend. Is it the Monday is a holiday, Kirsty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get off work. So oh, so nice. Lots of people will be going to the cinema. Yeah, so it gives it an extra day to rake in the dough, basically. And yeah, that would be an amazing result if it does that. So yeah, I think it's in fine health, essentially. Um, do you have any thoughts about this report, Kirsty? Not really. I mean, I guess I was surprised, but in a good way. Did you peg it opening at a lower figure? I just hadn't really thought about the fact that it was Memorial Day weekend. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense for it to be higher. Yeah. Yeah, the next part of the report was actually more interesting to me, if you want me to keep reading. Uh, yeah, this is actually a separate report, but still from Variety. Okay, yeah. So this is from Variety 2. Um, Tickets for Solo A Star Wars Story went on sale Thursday night on Fandango, and pre-sales have doubled those for Black Panther in the first 24 hours of their release. According to the ticketing company, Solo had the second best first day of pre-sales of the year, behind only Infinity War. Infinity War also doubled the numbers set by Black Panther, in addition to outpacing the last seven Marvel movies combined. Which, yeah, I I hadn't known that about Infinity War, just because I don't follow that stuff as much. But I'm... I was surprised to see that Solo had already surpassed Black Panther. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was big. No, it was really, really impressive. Like, when you booked your tickets, so you were able to see how many other seats had already been taken? Yeah, by the time I got around to it... I mean, I, I got fine seats, but they weren't, like, my first choice. Right, and yeah. Was, again, it was because I was, like, kind of ch- checking Twitter on and off throughout the night, and then I must have just, like, seen it like 10 minutes after people have said, oh, you can actually start buying them now because they don't formally announce it until after the fact. So by the time you get to it, a lot of them have already gone. Yeah, no, I found that. Like there was no like official like email saying solo tickets are now on sale. Like I just checked the Odeon website at one point, nothing. And then I checked it again a few hours later and it's like, oh, they're there. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like I've got my ticket, so I'm all happy and sit, but yeah, like, it wasn't very well promoted, basically. I feel like it, this is the case every time, though. They just don't do it smoothly. It's not like this rolled-out thing where they tell you, this is the exact time they're going to go on sale, and then people can get them. Yeah. It's just like, they do it, and then a couple of hours later, you'll get an email saying, you can buy solo tickets now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not very precise. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. Like, you know, as long as you get into a cinema, and I'm in a good one, I'm happy. Yeah. Exactly. I found when I was booking my tickets, the first screen that I went to was in a very large like auditorium and hardly any of the tickets had sold. Like I was clearly one of the first people to get a seat. Um, but then when I came to book other tickets in a much smaller cinema, like most of the screenings seemed to be sold out or nearly sold out. So I was like, yeah, I'm glad I'm booking my tickets now <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you were to wait until like the actual day, no chance. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about buying repeat tickets until I've actually seen it either, because I know I did that with The Last Jedi, but this time I'm like, oh, I'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I've got two tickets for it, um, because, yeah, it's all free for me, because of the Limitless card. I'm not being mm. paid to promote Limitless, but it's great. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm going to see it once on my own on opening night, and then again with a friend on the Friday, so that'll be really Oh wait, great. so you can book advanced tickets with your Limitless card? Yep. 
as many oh, so you, you can't want. do that with movie pass you just have to turn up at the exact time when you want to see it and hope that there are still seats available yeah i i've always <laughs> heard that it sounds really sucky to be honest it's just i mean it's not too bad because i live pretty close to a cinema so i can just go and be like okay good there are tickets left i can go yeah but it makes it hard to plan things out yeah no with limitless you can book in advance you can choose your seats in advance it's all very easy and stress-free basically it's great yeah we should get an odeon sponsorship for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly like they they definitely should give me something back because i like give them my patronage quite a lot (laughs) oh my goodness but yeah no this pre-sale news is absolutely great um i'm really pleased to see it doing so well i think it's absolutely no surprise where it's coming in I think that's what you'd expect for it to come in between Infinity War and Black Panther. And yeah, like if in terms of final box office, it finishes between those two, then that would actually put Solo ahead of The Last Jedi at the box office, which I don't think will happen. Mm. Um, But it does indicate very strong early interest for Solo, which is great. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why it surprised me was because when you're like deep into the Star Wars fandom and you see a lot of this scepticism from people who consider themselves star wars fans Mm. it's like oh maybe this is how the general audience is going to feel too Mm. but it's a nice reminder that fandom is not reflective of the people who actually go and see these movies yeah i honestly think that solo will have more populist appeal than something like rogue one like because i think a lot of people probably are attracted to like the fun vibe of it and they really like han solo that character and they have fond memories of him i think it just promises to be like much more nostalgic and much more easygoing you know like it's not very like portentous or like the weight of the saga rests on this film and i think that stands to really benefit yeah i think you're right i know rogue one was based on this idea like Oh, Star Wars fans have always wondered how they got those plans, but I mean, how many people really did wonder that? I definitely didn't. Like, <laughs> no disrespect to people who did, but yeah, it just wasn't my area of interest. Right, then the next thing we want to talk about is that the first full clip from Solo has been released. This is just a minute long, so it's very, very brief. Um, there's also been a bunch of new TV spots and stuff, but there's not much new in them and we'd be having a very boring conversation about them if we were to talk about them so be like yeah it looks fun looks cool (laughs) yeah at this point there's too much to cover exactly yeah you just need to be selective and this struck us as the most interesting thing to talk about because yeah it's the first sequence from the movie what did you think about it kirsty the thing that really stuck out for me was that they used the asteroid field music from empire yes oh my god i didn't realize how nostalgic i was for that music until i heard it I was like, oh my it's god, so this music! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I was it's really happy really with good. that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I really liked... Um, I feel like I'm a complete Kira stan on this podcast. I feel like every episode, I'm like, oh my god, Kira, I love her. Um, <laughs> but like, I really liked how at first she was trying to be the co-pilot, and it just wasn't yeah. working out. That's clearly not where her skills lie. And I actually yeah, really liked that, because yeah, I think that's just very human, you know? Some sometimes you're just not able to do stuff and it's like you can probably be useful elsewhere so that's cool too yeah i thought that was played really well she was like yeah we definitely need to do that Mm." (laughs) (laughs) just looking at the buttons in front of her like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) yeah like i think a very like primal part of me can relate to that in a big way (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah i follow you girl (laughs) yeah and then chewie steps in and he saves the day so chewie the hero more of that please exactly 
I kind of feel like it's going to be a like hero's journey story for like Chewie almost more than it will be for Han, because I think in a way we're going to see like Chewie really step up and like become heroic in the film, and I almost think it's going to be a story about Han being disillusioned, like in contrast to that. Mm-hmm. So like Han starting out all like bright-eyed and having all these like hopes and dreams of like becoming an ace pilot with the Empire, and obviously we know that doesn't work out. And then I kind of just get the sense that he's going to be a bit crushed and heartbroken by his experiences, which I know sounds really depressing. And I don't think it'll be like an uber depressing movie, but I think just that will be there on like a thematic level. What do you think? Yeah, I do think you're right. I'm just really curious to see the tone of it by the end, you Mm. know, because like looking at the promo, it does look pretty lighthearted. But we were talking about Last Shot last week and it's like, just the way that Han appears at the beginning of New Hope, right? It's like, what is going to happen for him to get to that point? There has to be some element of heartbreak and disillusionment, like you say. So very curious to see what form that's going to take. Definitely. Um, Right. Then we just have a bunch of new trading cards from Tops. So I'll just read out the titles so people have some context what we're going to talk about. Um, The titles are Beckett and Val in the Trenches, Beckett and Solo on the Battlefield, Moloch and Stormtroopers, Dryden Voss makes a point, Lando and Han on Kessel, so it's Lando firing a gun and Han right behind him, and then Kira and Dryden Voss, and yeah, they're looking very sweet together, I might say. Kira's got a hand on the knee, like Voss is looking very like, I'm in charge, and she's my baby. So yeah, I definitely think that um, Dryden Voss is Kira's sugar daddy, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing we've been speculating on for a while. So this is pointing pretty heavily in that direction. And it goes with the one that's above that, right? We said that Dryden Voss makes a point. So she sat on that couch with Dryden and then he leans forward and is, uh, yeah, presumably being quite threatening towards Han and Beckham. Yeah, he's clearly trying to like keep Kira in like his realm and he's like keeping her separate from the others. And... Mm. Yeah, interesting dynamics. I look forward to seeing that in the film. Um, do any of these images particularly stand out to you? Uh, the Kira and Dryden Voss one, that was the one I'd seen before you put these together. I just seen it on Tumblr. Yes. I was like, oh, oh there's ship. Yep, <laughs> there's definitely going to be shipping. Um, I find the one of Beckett and Solo on the battlefield interesting, the way they're kind of like back to back. I almost wonder if that's Beckett recruiting Han, because... Yeah, I kind of sense that Han might not be there in disguise. I think he might actually be a mud trooper there at that point. And he That's true. doesn't look happy with his life. <laughs> it looks like yeah, a very stressful that. situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the one of Val as well looks pretty interesting. I'm very curious about her role. Yeah, definitely. Not sure how much screen time she'll get, but I hope she does make an impact. Yeah, I've seen in several different costumes. So we know it's not like a one scene type of thing, which is mm. good. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's like enough, like you say, to have a substantial role and like have impact on the story. So by substantial, I don't mean like she's going to be a protagonist and we're going to see the story of Val, because obviously there's really not going to be enough time for that in all likelihood. But yeah, you can leave a big impact with a l- with brief screen time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. So I think all that that's all the solo stuff done for now. Um, the next thing to talk about is that John Boyega had interesting comments on growing his hair for episode 9. 
Yep, so John Baker was at an event at Imperial College London to promote the Vodafone Foundation's Dream Lab app, which is about fighting cancer, I believe, so a good cause. Um, and while he was there, he did mention a little tidbit about episode 9. And he said this, I can't wait to start shooting the next and final leg of the franchise. The first step is growing out my hair, so you can wait for the trailer to see why. Well, there were photos with him at the event, and his hair does look a little longer than it has been. Yes, it definitely does. Like, I really like his hair. Like, I've never really appreciated John Boyega's hair before. I guess because he's very, like, closely shaven, really, as Finn. So I've never seen it, like, grow in, like, in luxurious locks, like Kylo Ren style. Well, I liked yeah. it in Pacific Rim. It was a bit longer in that. That's true. It was a bit longer in that film. He definitely looked sexier in Pacific Rim than he did in Star Wars, I must say. He had some facial hair as well, so I think that made him look a little older. Yeah, exactly. He had like a more mature look going on, which is cool. Yeah, I think this basically confirms that there will be a time jump for episode 9, which is hardly surprising. I think we, we were all speculating that. But it's nice to have something solid pointing towards that. Would you agree, Kirsty? Yes, exactly. We'd anticipated it, but it's nice to have someone actually basically come out and say it, because what else could he be alluding to there? Mm. Yeah, for me, it's a question of whatever the story needs. If story needs six months, great. If story needs five years, go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm pretty open-minded. Yeah, and it's just exciting to get comments about Nine. I don't yes. know, they haven't even started filming it yet, but it's like, oh yeah, just give us a little tidbit to tide us over. They know exactly. how much the fans are anticipating it. So, Right, okay. So, with all that said, that's the more serious, like, down-to-earth discussions done. And we actually want to resurrect a very old segment now, and that is, it came from Reddit. Yes, we've been waiting (laughs) for this. Finally, the fake leaks have arrived. (laughs) Seriously, like, when I shared this with Kirsty, I was expecting her to, like, roll her eyes and be like, oh, God, more nonsense from Reddit. But she's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) It's so much fun. (laughs) It is, though. It's really nice. Yeah, so, I mean, should we even put, like, a spoiler warning (laughs) on the off chance it's true? I will put a tentative spoiler warning here, yes, just because this Reddit report, the one we're going to discuss, it's from a person who did a post about The Last Jedi on 22nd of December 2015, and they got some very, very key things right. So They They got got a lot wrong too, though. They did get a lot wrong, we're going to go through this. Um, but they got things right, like Kylo Kill Snoke, and like a casino planet will be a main setting for the film. And those are quite peculiar details that really weren't being discussed anywhere else. You know, they're very specific things. So I, I don't want to just completely dismiss it and say it's complete BS, because I think it might be a case where they've seen something. And then they're like wildly misinterpreting things or elaborating things or they're deliberately mixing fact with fiction. Of course, it might also just be complete BS and they might have got very, very lucky with guesses in the post they made about The Last Jedi. But I just want to say that as a caveat so that we don't get to like December 2019. And people are like, oh my God, Scavengers Horde spoiled the movie for me back in May 2018. Ah!" You know, I I just don't want to be there. So I'm saying that to proceed in a guilt-free way yeah so i think in the first instance what we'll do is we'll go through what they posted about the last jedi in december 2015 just so people can determine if they actually do want to listen to the rumors about episode nine because 
yeah, there's certain elements of these that might make you think, oh my god, this person did know stuff, I don't want to hear what else they had to say. You know, so, right, let's go through the points one by one from this series of Last Jedi rumours. The first thing, Luke tells Rey what happened during the fall of his academy. That's true, that did happen, but, like, that's a very easy to guess thing, so I'm not going to give too many, like, points for that. Then the next point. Kylo Ren is growing in power. He possesses a skill for manipulating the Force that has never been seen. Snoke senses this and aims to replace Kylo with Rey and plans to use Kylo to do it. Mm, not really. <laughs> mm. I guess if you were looking at like early concept art or whatever it was, it could look like Snoke was trying to get to Rey because she is lured to the, su- the supremacy, but that's because Snoke wants Luke as opposed to her. Exactly, so it's the kind of thing where it could well be misinterpretation. So, like, I'm not prepared to, like, say, you lair! Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not exact. Which, to be fair, a storyboard would never be exact because these things are always, like, changing in, in motion. Mm. And then Luke trains Ray in the ways of the Force, of course. Um, he does do that. <laughs> Ray confronts the spiritual test of the darkness within herself. Yep. Yep. Right, okay, so here's the one where it's actually very impressive. They got this in December 2015. Kylo murders Snoke, having known all along Snoke was aiming to replace him before he grew powerful enough to overtake him and declares himself ruler of the First Order. There is a slight rift among the troopers and whether they will follow Kylo or Hux. I think that's impressively accurate. I think some things... Like, it's not really there in the final film, so the whole part about Snoke wanting to replace him, that's not really a thing. But he absolutely got it right that Kylo murders Snoke and then declares himself ruler of the First Order. And also the fact that there's, like, uncertainty among the ranks over who they should be following. Again, that's very subtle in the film, but you do see that, especially in the command shuttle, when people aren't sure who to look to, you know, when, like, Kylo and Hux are almost having their squabbles. I mean, yeah, that was something that was like thrown around as an early idea within the fandom. But I think a lot of people just kind of assumed that Kylo would either turn or like go rogue. And then the third one would be him and Rey maybe taking down Snoke together as the climax of the trilogy. Um, So, yeah, that is pretty interesting that they got that so early. But yeah, yeah, again, I'm, I'm trying to take it all with a pinch of salt. So it could be like, yeah, I could just be lucky. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Ray leaves against Luke's wishes to confront Kylo. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yep. Kylo Ren and Ray fight again. Does not happen. There is an underlying sense of attraction between the two. Definitely happens. <laughs> not according to them people. <laughs> but definitely according to us. And that's <laughs> all that matters. Okay. Kylo Ren is much, much stronger than he was in their last fight. He beats Rey and reveals he spared her life in the Temple Purge and left her on Jakku. Very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most strikingly wrong thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a big red flag. It's possible that that was completely changed at a late stage, but I doubt that because, like, the fact that she's this nobody from nowhere, that does seem to be a very fundamental element of Ryan's script. So, yeah, that's a big, like, red mark, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately, depending on your perspective. Kylo again beckons her to join him. This time the result of that offer is left up in the air. Potentially true from a certain point of view, but obviously the context is very different from what's been suggested here. 
Yeah, I guess if you were looking at storyboards or whatever, at the end of that scene, it is left, right? And then they come back to it and they're warring over the saber. Mm. But when he's just holding his hand out and she's looking at it, she does look almost tempted. And then you just don't get that resolution because it cuts away to something else. Exactly. So, yeah, it is left uncertain, really. And then there's various points about the B-plot. I probably won't read all of these out. I'll probably just do like a few key things, both wrong and correct. So, Captain Phasma has placed a substantial bounty on Finn's head. Did not happen. Um, she and Hux are relentlessly searching the galaxy for assistance. In the film, it's really just Hux. You don't see Phasma doing that, but it's true that the First Order are doing that. Yeah, I do wonder if in an earlier version there was more Phasma and she just ended up being cut. Because one of the criticism I have of Finn and Phasma's dynamic is that there isn't really a build-up. But yeah. if she had placed that bounty and then was like searching for the resistance, it, it would have felt more impactful, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think there's more story potential in it, definitely. It might have even been something as straightforward as Gwendolyn Christie having like Game of Thrones commitments or something and not being able to be there much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's certainly possible she was intended to be a bigger part. Um, right, then the next point. They find the resistance base and decimate it with an impressive land assault. Um, I I guess that could be Dakar or it could be Crate. Like, in terms of the chronology, mm. I guess it corresponds to Dakar. I guess, yeah, maybe that means that it is talking about Crate if it's a land assault. Yeah, because it's definitely a land assault on Crate. Again, it's possible that if this was an early version, it was conceptualized differently early on. Yeah. Concept art tends to try out various different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Finn and Poe meet a refugee. That's actually accurate. Because, yeah, Rose is a refugee in the film. It's kind of easy to miss because it's just dialogue and there's not much emphasis on it, but she's a refugee from a First Order planet. So that happens. And the three of them spend most of the story evading bounty hunters and the First Order. They don't really. They don't, but um, originally it says in the art of The Last Jedi book that um, Ryan had originally figured that Finn and Poe would go to Canto Bight together and then he decided to split them up because there wasn't enough conflicts and he couldn't really tell the difference between the two characters. Right. Um, so in a very early version, it could have been that they went there and Rose went along with them. Yeah, so that does add some credence to it because, yeah, that would put them together as a trio. Then we have Finn falls for the refugee, head over hills. Seems to be a bit backwards from what we got because I'd say that Rose is definitely more into Finn than Finn is into Rose. Um, but yeah, it's accurate and saying there's like a love thing going on. Yeah, again, I feel like their relationship might have been reworked a little bit because if you watch the director and the Jedi, um, mm-hmm. Ryan's talking about how they're going to introduce Rose in this mechanics jumpsuit outfit and then she transforms when they get to Canto Bight and she's wearing this beautiful dress and Finn yes. presumably would like notice her and it would be that like tropey teen girl taking off her glasses and suddenly she's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, so I reckon... Maybe in an earlier version, it could have been more obvious that Finn was into her, as opposed to her initiating it with the kiss at the end, Uh, which is actually what I prefer, because I like the idea of her being like, no, I like you, and I'm going to act on it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It's not totally wrong, it's just slightly different from how we describe it. Yeah. And then, on a planet that's essentially the Las Vegas of the galaxy, so presumably Canto Bight, the refugee turns on Finn and Poe and collects the bounty on their heads. That sounds so like a mix between Rose and DJ. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, is interesting because it's just potential that things were adjusted and that like, 
plot elements were shifted between characters. Um, because actually, that's a good point. So if initially the idea was that it was going to be all three of them going to Cantobite, so Finn, Poe, and Rose, then that's kind of a trio instead of Finn, Rose, and DJ. Mm. So maybe in that case, Rose was originally meant to be the one who was going to be the betrayer. But then after Poe was taken out of that scenario, they made the DJ character serve that purpose instead to like be the one who turns on them. Yeah, exactly. I feel like things would have got reworked over and over. Um, and yeah. I think early, when we got early casting rumours about new female characters in The Last Jedi, weren't there originally a couple of new female characters? And then, yes. and then they got reworked into one? Yeah. I don't know how correct that is, but sounds like they could have been consolidated into Rose. Yeah. No, definitely. Then we have, they are captured and tortured on this planet. So they're captured because they're thrown in jail, but they're certainly not tortured. But again, it's possible something changed, who knows? Um, And then after that, it's like a series of mostly wrong things. Um, The only other thing that is striking that they get right is that Luke refuses to join the fight on either side. This upsets Leia. Luke does refuse to join the fight. We don't really see Leia respond to that, but again, very feasible that that would be how she felt about the situation. I think she'd be pissed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the implication at the beginning, right? That she's frustrated that she can't find Luke, and then when she does, she's convinced that that's going to be it, that he'll easily come back. Um, obviously, he doesn't. Yeah, so then, I guess in Sam, what what do you think now we've been through and discussed that? Because you often been like the devil's advocate, like saying, well, actually, they could have changed that, so then it would be true from a certain point of view. So you kind of see in the similarities between this and what we ended up getting. Yeah, it sounds to me like this person might have some access to information, and then they spin other stuff to make it sound like they have more about the story than they actually do. And I think that's yeah. the way a lot of leakers do. Like, so there are grains of true things, but they don't have everything. Yeah. And then some things turn out to be just very wrong. But yes. That makes true. it so hard to decide whether something is trustworthy or not. But I guess yeah. That's the point. Exactly. It is very tricky. I do think it's very impressive the number of things this person did get correct. Of course, there are a lot of things that they either got wrong or a bit jumbled. But you could argue that that's a result of misinterpretation or the story evolving because they did say, look, this is an early storyboard. So... Yeah, like I definitely think there are kernels of reliability in this person, which is why I think they're especially worth talking about. Because obviously you get fake leakers like Dime doesn't. You know, there's so many people saying what that what's going to happen in episode nine, but most of the time it's just blatant like fan fiction. So this is more interesting because yeah, there's at least some history to this person that can be discussed and can be used to weigh up whether they're reliable or not. Mm-hmm. So do you want to move on to what they're saying now? Yes. Okay, so now we have the big event, which is their report on episode nine. And yeah, it's a bit of a doozy. Again, they're saying that they're reporting on an early storyboard. And they're actually saying that their post is prompted by an earlier post on 4chan. So I think to add a bit of context, I'll just share what was posted in that 4chan post because they're kind of related. Yeah, I haven't actually read this yet, so... So I'll read it out. This is a bit more bare bones, but in a, it does sound more plausible because it's less fantastical, I suppose. And the Reddit rumour is a bit more grounded, but yeah, you'll see. 
So, as the reactions have all fizzled out over the controversy of The Last Jedi, the ball has begun rolling on Star Wars Episode Nine. Lucasfilm is currently underway casting a character so secret that they aren't even doing it under their own name. The listing is calling for a Caucasian child not much older than a toddler. This fake company is also casting five people of any ethnicity or gender aged 13 to 40. The listing is explicit that the actors must be in great physical shape and able to undergo martial arts lessons. They've narrowed down the title of Nine to three options, and to this point the favourite seems to be The New Empire. Perhaps the biggest news of all, Lucasfilm is secretly trying to extend the contracts of Adam Driver, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. They are willing to throw a stupid amount of money at these actors to retain them for future films. Translation, Episode 9 will not be the end of this story. One of the locations Lucasfilm is trying to secure for filming is Malta Film Studios, which is home to one of the largest underwater sets in filmmaking. The story will take place roughly five years after the events of The Last Jedi. I don't know much more about the story other than the following. The galaxy has been under Kylo Ren's rule during this entire time and is thriving, at least on the surface, with many inhabitants not really sure if they want to see any attempt at a revolution. A significant portion of this story will take place on an aquatic planet with an underwater civilization. If Luke Skywalker is in this movie, no one I've talked to has heard about it. Leia has been recast, but I could not confirm if it's Streep, as the rumour suggests. But I was told that an announcement was coming very soon. That's what I've got. Figured I'd pass it along. Yeah, I am really sceptical that they would have information about the title at this point. Mm. But... Who knows? I, I do think that we can expect them to extend the contracts with the actors. That makes the most sense to me. Yes. Um, I know people were debating, like, oh, will, will Kylo survive the trilogy? But mm. aside from that, like, they're not going to want to let those actors go. Like, they're, yeah. so, they're so popular. Um, I know that there has been all this controversy around The Last Jedi as a story, but I think most people think that the acting has been fantastic. So Yeah. Based on what's in this 4chan rumour, like, I'm very sceptical about recasting Leia. So, yes, I am. So sceptical. <laughs> so that, to me, is one of the biggest red flags about all of this stuff, because when we read out the actual Reddit rumour, you'll see that Leia does actually have some important plot functions, which would obviously require her to be an active part of the story, um, and thus would necessitate a recast. Um, because, yeah, please no CGI resurrection. That would be horrible. Mm. But I guess at the very least, this 4chan post does say that an announcement will be coming very soon. So unless there's an announcement in the next few months and that casts real like aspersions on the veracity of this rumour. And if there is an announcement, oh my god, <laughs> I think we need to look at it more closely again. Um, exactly, so we can keep an eye on things like this and see if things play out. Um, like yeah. The other thing is very specific is that they cite this Malta Film Studios so yes. if we hear in the next couple of months that that's where they are, then obviously that lends more credibility. Yeah, exactly. And I was also remembering that a few months ago I heard some rumour saying that episode 9 was going to be somewhat inspired by Logan's run. Did you hear that? Uh, Yeah, at some point, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. Yeah. Do you know the story of Logan's run? Yeah. Yeah, and like you might well know it better than I do, but as far as I understand, it's like this idyllic world. But then underneath the surface, there's all this like ugliness and darkness that's actually fueling like the loveliness of the world above, you know. So the population is oblivious to all the horrible things that are making their lifestyle possible. Um, and that kind of comparison would make sense based on the story we're getting an impression of here. So 
I just thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, and I do think that's an interesting way to take it. I know there's been lots of discussion about like, oh, whether Kylo would be a disastrous supreme leader because obviously he he has anger issues and is driven by emotion, or mm. whether he would end up being on the surface benevolent and making rational decisions that would lead the galaxy kind of like, oh, oh, I don't know yeah. how to feel about this because I'm okay. Um, yeah. So I feel like that would be a more interesting way to take it rather than just evil and good but who knows because star wars can often come down like it can play with these ideas really but yeah then that comes down to it being like okay well the first order is still clearly very bad yes Um, exactly yeah so we've talked before about like the idea of finn leading a stormtrooper revolution but this could kind of be a a proxy for that if they chose not to go exactly with the stormtroopers they could still have the resistance helping to liberate this planet yeah Exactly. So yeah, I I think as a premise, it sounds very interesting to me. And I certainly think it would surprise a lot of people. So I think people do just expect Kylo to be this like transparently evil despot and actually showing him to be like a good and effective ruler would very much take people by surprise. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be part of the story as well. Like whatever happens, whether this is true or not, that they are going to have competing ideologies shown between Kylo and Hux. So there could be all sorts of things going on within the First Order that Supreme Leader is not necessarily even aware of, and then that comes out, and and then they have the fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right, I think it's probably time to actually get to the main event now, which is the Reddit post, which I know we've been building up to for like 20 minutes. but Yeah, you can tell that we're really at the early stages where we're like spending a lot of time on these Reddit leaks. Do you remember it? <laughs> Towards the end, when like filming was happening last time, we were like, "Yeah, there's been another fake leak." <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed still at this point. We're like, "Yay, leaks!" I'm sure we'll be feeling very differently by the time like September gets here. Probably be like, "Yeah, leaks." Yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> That's like so May this year. Ugh. So yeah, would you perhaps like to read Kirsty? I've highlighted where you should start reading. Yeah, so the reason this this was led on from the 4chan one, because that guy read that 4chan one and said he's got a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah, but actually that's what I want to point out. So it's very, very possible because of the nature of sites like Reddit and 4chan, that it's just one person posting on both websites to try exactly. and make themselves seem more credible. Yeah. So we can't take that as like, oh my god, they're so like in sync with each other. That must mean <laughs> it's true. Um, because, yeah, it could easily just be the same person. So it's a coincidence that they're posting so closely together, let's put it that way. So it says, plot A would progress like this. Five years after The Last Jedi, the Resistance is no longer centralised and is not a popular idea among the galaxy. Kylo Ren's rule over the galaxy is seen by most as benevolent. Many within the Resistance itself are questioning why they should even be fighting. (laughs) That sounds really funny to me. That does. What are we all doing here? This recruitment drive is really <laughs> difficult, guys. <laughs> this is why Finn has long hair at this point, because he's just kind of given up. He's like, <laughs> he's like become a hippie. <laughs> anyway, um, not surprisingly, Ray, Poe, Finn, and Leia are all still holding fast to the idea that galaxy should not be under empirical rule. They are tipped off by a mole inside the First Order, promising that if they follow their lead, they will discover the horrifying true nature of the First Order. The tip leads them to a planet in the unknown regions, and they must infiltrate a First Order command station to extract a young female alien prodigy 
who is the key to navigating these regions. After a successful rescue of the girl, who is essentially a prisoner of the First Order, they discover a planet entirely comprised of an ocean. Beneath its waters is the secret to the First Order's unlimited resources, an ancient manufacturing station literally powered by the populations of conquered worlds of the unknown regions. This entire A-plot revolves around liberating the captives before they are exterminated and exposing these horrors to the galaxy at large. This plot is resolved with the unknown regions becoming united and preparing for war with the known regions. The B-plot revolves around Kylo Ren hunting down other Force users in secret using the Knights of Ren and trying to discover them all among his ranks. At the end of the film, it's revealed Hux is the mole and is trying to get the galaxy to revolt against Ren's empire and believes he can claim the throne after the fallout. Many Force users have sought out Rey for protection, both really young and really old. Rey and Kylo still converse through the Force and can even manifest their whole presence in front of each other. It is slowly revealed they secretly love each other. The big reveal in the film is that one of Rey's students is actually her child. Dun, dun, dun. And Kylo becomes so enraged upon finding this that he nearly kills Rey, who is only saved last minute by Leia. I, I just want to interject at this point um, in the comments. The poster of this clarified that the father of the child is Kylo. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. As with last time, I will add the disclaimer that this is an early storyboard, but the heart of the film is there with secret love child and the theme of an empire thriving, but at a terrible cost. You can expect the story to play out very close to this. Oh. <laughs> like, what do you think? <laughs> I think it sounds like Love Never Dies, which is the... <laughs> That's not a good comparison, people. No, it's not a good thing. <laughs> It's the sequel to <laughs> Phantom of the Opera where Christine has had the Phantom's child. And it's just like... Please no. Yeah, I, I really don't need like Ray having like a secret pregnancy between films. Especially like as a 19-year-old. Like, not nothing against younger mums. That, that's absolutely cool. But Ray does not strike me as someone who's like ready for interested in having a baby at the end of The Last Jedi. Well, you know what's weird about all this is that it says like, oh yeah, they're conversing through the Force, they can manifest to each other, they're slowly revealed to be in love, and then, oh, but she managed to hide a pregnancy for, from him for nine months. <laughs> Had the child. He doesn't notice anything's weird. Like, what? He's a typical man. <laughs> He's very oblivious. I mean, I know that Star Wars has a history with, like, unplanned pregnancies and just tragic miscommunication between people and secrets and everything. So on the one hand, it's like, I can see that happening, but I would not be a fan. I think it would have to be exceptionally well executed. Yeah, and that's another thing to note, actually, because when, like, The Last Jedi leaks started coming out, the ones after people had actually seen the movie and were describing them, they Mm. sounded bad. They sounded like things that people did not want to accept. And to be honest, a lot of people since then have seen the film and they still don't accept those story elements. So it's like, I don't know. I think with the way people describe it is a big factor in whether something can sound legit or not. And sometimes people just don't describe things very well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think it's pretty much universal that no like Reddit user has like great like narrative ability. <laughs> no disrespect. Like the person can clearly like write coherently. But they're obviously not storytellers, you know, they're just telling things in bullet points. So The way it's described as secret love child yeah. does not endear me to the concept. No. 
Although I have seen this kind of thing play out in Raylo fanfiction after The Force Awakens. There's this amazing one that I actually recommend to people called The Moon, The Sun and The Star in Between by Silvershine. Yes. And That's it does so go along those lines. And it sounds so it sounds like a really cheesy bad idea, but if the execution is good. That's one of my favorite ever fan fictions. So, yes. who knows? Like, I, I know I've seen people like believing this leak. I've seen people not believing any of it, and they're kind of arguing amongst each other. And it's like maybe everyone could relax and just like have a bit of fun with it. You don't have to believe it, and whatever. Like, I don't really believe it at this point. Yeah, but it's still fun to entertain these things. Yeah, I certainly time. do. I certainly do think there are some really interesting ideas here. Like the idea of like Kylo is a good ruler, but there's something very like dark and sinister going on that's keeping like the First Order running well and keeping the Empire prosperous. I think that's very interesting, especially because people have always been very frustrated with like this whole question of, but where does the First Order get all its resources from? Well, that's the thing. I do think they have to include more politics in Episode Nine, which was said before, yeah. like because so far, yeah, there is this big black box around where the first order came from and what they stand for and what kylo stands for like we still don't know it's coded in the last jedi as join me on the dark side ray and we can destroy everything and rule as emperor and empress but yeah. there's nothing specific there and i think it is by design so that they can expand on that story in episode nine yeah and potentially exactly. surprise people with what they're going to do what do you think about that whole element of the plot? So, like, Kylo's a good ruler, but there's all this, like, dark, dark stuff going on, like, in the Unknown Regions. Well, so, before I said I don't have any opinion on whether there's a time skip or, like, whether it's, like, five years or a few months, the only thing that gives me pause, be kind of impressed that it took Hux five years to even put all this stuff together for him to stage that coup and take over, because... That's a lot of dedication. That's him really mm. taking his time to make sure that the plan's well thought out and executed. Because, you yeah. know, you get all this little... You get those elements in The Last Jedi that it looks like he wants to take Kylo down, right? Yes. And so then he takes five years to put that plan into motion. That's that's interesting. Like I, I felt like it would almost be quite an imminent thing that he would want to take over. Like I totally see what you mean, but in a way I think it would be very smart of the character to really, really plan it. <laughs> Because, like, it's obvious that, according to this plot, the goal is not just to overthrow Kylo, it's to overthrow Kylo so he can take his place. Mm. So I would think that if that were Hux's plan, he would need to spend a lot of time building, like, his own networks and his own power base so that he would actually have support in the event that Kylo were to be overthrown. Because he couldn't just overthrow him and they'd be like, okay, I'm Supreme Leader now. Like, people wouldn't take him seriously. He would need to be doing like lots of like backdoor negotiating behind people's back in order to like get people on side and like trusting that he's the right person to rule the galaxy. Mm. I just think so. it sounds pretty funny, this idea that people within the resistance itself are like, what do we stand for again? <laughs> <laughs> like after five years. <laughs> I, I like to think of Leia being like, oh, damn that boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he was going to make this conflict nice and simple by being all like evil and bad and incompetent, but he's actually been pretty damn good at it. <laughs> now what do we do? I mean, the other thing to consider is that all of this stuff could be from elements of the early treatments from Colin Trevorrow. I actually asked the poster that in the comments, look, is this a breakdown from Colin's like script or from JJ's? And he said it's from JJ's. Hmm. Okay. 
I'm just Sorry. I I'm gonna remain deeply skeptical until we hear about what's going on with Leia. Yes. I, like I like some of the parallels that are going on here. Like if this were to be the real story, because I can see definite echoes of like Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi. Um, which would be nice in terms of like the structural thing. It does have a quite prequels feel with like Naboo and everything. Yeah, it's like the whole underwater city thing, especially. That's the most striking thing. And I think that like makes sense at a thematic level as you have the start of this trilogy of trilogies. And then you have the last one of this trilogy of trilogies. And like they both have a very prominent underwater setting. That would be interesting. And then also this idea that both films would kind of start with this like successful rescue mission. I'm sure there'd be people bleating, oh, it's just like Return of the Jedi. But it, if it were to be done like this, then I think it'd be sufficiently different while still obviously harkening back to that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I am a big fan of them. Yeah, rounding things off in movie nine with, yeah, an acknowledgement that it's part of this nine-part saga. Yeah. Um, was it in this or something else where there was a another leak that said that part nine was actually going to be split into two and there would be an episode 10 or something? That first came up a few months ago, someone insisting that was going to be the case. Um, the person posting this didn't talk about it being split into two, but they did say that this is not the final part of this story. Oh, okay. And I think it's clear from the description that it would basically be ending on cliffhanger, with the cliffhanger being that, well, the people are saved from extermination. <laughs> but, like, the film ends with the unknown regions and the known regions on the brink of this grand galactic conflict. And, yeah, that's obviously not a neat resolution to the story of the sequel trilogy. So, yeah, I I think what the guy was saying in the comments was that they're basically going to abandon the trilogy format and they're just going to take however many movies they need in order to tell the story, Um, which would be very, very bold, let's put it that way. And I think that would also be a change of tune, particularly from what the actors expect, because... Yeah, John Baker especially has clearly been indicating that he thinks the next one is going to be the last one. So, yeah, they're going to have to get the wallets out if they want to retain people, I think. Yeah, that would change the structure of the story as we understand it, so be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't well, put it past them for the simple reason that it would make them more money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, integrity can go to hell when there's billions more dollars to be made. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, What else was there here? Um... With regards to the whole part where um, Kylo nearly kills Rey, who is saved only at the last minute by Leia, not a fan. <laughs> Decidedly not a fan. I'm also not a fan of Kylo being like implicated in this, what is essentially a genocide of the populations of the Unknown Region. Shocking! I really yeah. think you'd be fully on board with that, Rachel. <laughs> it is totally what I wanted from the characterization of Baby Ben Solo. <laughs> like, Again, nothing is impossible. Like, I don't think many of us are thinking, yeah, Supreme Leader Kylo, that's totally going to be on. You know, so I wouldn't put anything past them. Well, yeah, that's interesting, actually, because for the longest time, I remember when we were doing our, like, initial reviews after The Last Jedi came out, we'd, like, entertained Supreme Leader Kylo, but usually in a fanfic version, because I honestly didn't think they would have the balls to develop that as well as Raylo. Mm. I did. I thought they were going to wait until he was fully redeemed before showing that Ray had feelings for him, or yep. at least like, you know, beseeching and 
showing them conflicted about wanting to be with each other, not being able to. Like, I I just didn't know that they were going to do that because Rey and Kylo as a romance has been so controversial within the fandom. So yeah. in a way, it's kind of like, yeah, Lucasfilm don't care. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah. I Again, it's like that would be another boundary to cross, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's clear that Lucasfilm aren't like shying away from this whole like dark romance thing, because yeah, it's already quite dark and like gothic and stuff, and it's clear. I guess that... but it's also super soft. Oh yeah, yeah. No, in terms of their interpersonal relationships, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I have a problem of with he nearly kills Ray. Like, someone did ask for clarity in the comments, and he said they seem to be like an involuntary like unleashing of power. Like triggered by like the emotional distress of like discovering the fact that he has this child, um, mm. so I could buy that more than I could buy him like deliberately like strangling Ray or something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it all it all depends on what the actual story tells us, I guess, because all of this stuff can sound good or bad depending on what spin the writer puts on it. Yeah, exactly. Some of the leaks for the Force Awakens, like while they're technically accurate in terms of what they say. They seem so wildly different from what the film ended up being, or at least from what my experience of watching the film was. That is actually quite fascinating to compare them. Mm. So, yeah, it's all about how the story is told. Yeah, um, Blast Points podcast had this amazing episode a few weeks ago where they went through all of the the rumours that were around before The Force Awakens. Oh, wow. Huxes, Luke's kid, and all that. Oh man, it was so much fun. I recommend that to people because it's it's a nice blast from the past. Yeah, I sometimes do that. Um, like with forum threads. So if you go on certain forums, like there will be threads that were like set up for like Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, like as soon as they were cast. And so you can go into those threads and look back to like 2014 or whatever when they were confirmed to be in the film. And you can see the very earliest discussions people were having about them. And it's so funny. It's like for Law Santeca, like um, Max von Sydow's character, like almost everyone was like convinced he was going to be playing this like evil, like imperial general. <laughs> <laughs> like no one came anywhere near the truth of that character. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think people dismissed his cameo because you wouldn't get an actor of that pedigree for a cameo. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be important. <laughs> like, eh. I think people like didn't pay enough attention to the fact that he was also very, very old at the time that he did The Force Awakens. And he probably wasn't that keen on being like a major role. Right. I mean, I'm guessing that most of those forums just immediately assumed that Rey was going to be Hannah Leia's daughter, right? Yeah. Even I did. I know I posted on IMDb straight after Daisy was cast, like, oh yeah, she's clearly the daughter of Han and Leia because she's been sat between Carrie and Harrison. Ooh. And I said that like I was some kind of like insightful genius as <laughs> I noticed this. And of course it was like me and everyone else on the internet, which is so funny in hindsight. Yeah, it's funny looking back from my own perspective, like watching those first season trailers because I only watched them because my husband was like, oh, there's a new Star Wars <laughs> and I didn't even care enough to have theories about where things were going. I was like, oh, okay. Looks like it might be all right. <laughs> I guess come along. <laughs> and then who knew how your life would be changed? See, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Our lives have changed because of it. Like, I've met so many friends through this. Exactly. Like, I would never have known, like, if it weren't for the sequel trilogy. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember I used to work with a girl who was talking to me about Star Wars. She talking about the Force Awakens trailer, and she was like, "I think the girl is going to be the protagonist." And I was like, 
that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. And turns out she was right. So. Yeah. I love how even then, in that like very, very early stage of your Star Wars conversations, you were still like very like holding back and no, we'll we'll see, we'll see, let's wait and see. So this is just very I, characteristic yeah. of you. I was skeptical of how Disney were gonna take it. Yeah. But obviously I've been very impressed so far. So Yeah. They've surpassed your wildest expectations. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Right, I think that's be a good place to end this. Well, I'll just say sorry that we we will continue to look at these leaks whether we think they're legit or not and we'll discuss them and we totally understand that that's not everyone's jam but it was a big part of our lead up to episode eight and we just have fun with it yes so we won't take it personally if people choose not to listen to that stuff because it is kind of us going like "Mm, might be true might not don't know that part sounds interesting that part sounds like garbage yeah and that's why we leave it to the end so you can just easily like be like okay i'm checking out now bye Yeah, no, so that works well for everyone. Right, I think that's a natural point to end on. Um, I'm Rachel. You can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Kirsty of Jakku on Twitter. And you can find us at Scavengers Horde on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>